This is a magnificent book. I truly believe if you can understand the book of Genesis, if you can understand the plot, if you can understand what the subject of Genesis is, if you can understand what Genesis is trying to teach you, it will lay for you a foundation for understanding the rest of the Bible. And if you miss the subject of Genesis, if you miss what Genesis is about, then the rest of your reading of the Scripture will be off its foundation. It is pivotal that we understand the book of Genesis and what we have, have we learned. We've learned that God is the creator, the sovereign king of everything that is and that he has created for himself a people. And despite the fact that his people have sinned and fallen short of his glory, he continues to pursue them with love and kindness and long-suffering. No matter what they have done, no matter how they have sinned against him, God has never let his people go. And so what we will see here at the end of Genesis chapter 50 is Joseph's confidence in God's goodness and how Joseph's confidence in God's goodness toward him and toward his people and his ability to keep his word to his people makes all the difference in Joseph's life and should make the difference as well. So what is happening here at the end of Genesis is Jacob, the last patriarch, has passed away at 147 years old. And he asked his son Joseph, when he died, to take his body out of the land of Egypt, bury him in his father's tomb. Joseph and his brothers did that with a great procession. Pharaoh sent many people, many in Pharaoh's court, went with Joseph. And they lamented Jacob's death for many days, and they buried him in the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised to them. And in verse 15 of chapter 50, we're going to see something difficult here for Joseph. Something that will help us understand too and understand how it is that Joseph was able to do the things that he did. So let me begin reading here in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, to the end of the chapter. And we will talk about what's happening here and how this theme is, for, is throughout the book of Genesis and indeed carries on throughout the rest of the scripture. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another... If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we've caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and of your children. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph and his father's family remained in Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years. He saw Ephraim's sons to the third generation. The sons of Manasseh's sons, Machir, were recognized by Joseph. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The sons of Israel take an oath. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my body. 
Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. The goodness of God and the faith of Joseph in God's goodness. One thing I want to point out to you here that Joseph has to deal with in this passage and that you will have to deal with in your life is the continuing burden of forgiveness. The continuing burden. Joseph, he's burying his father, who he was separated from for decades. Separated because his brothers had sold him into slavery. Separated because he had been in prison. 17 of Jacob's final years, Joseph got to spend time with his father. And when his father had passed away, they had scarcely finished burying him before his brothers thought, now that dad is gone, Joseph will take his revenge on us. And so they send the letter to him, and we have no evidence whatsoever in the scripture that Jacob actually gave this command. I don't know that he did, I don't know that he didn't, but I suspect he did not do this. But they tell Joseph that Jacob had commanded that Joseph should forgive his brothers of the transgressions that they had done against him so that he would not take revenge on them now that Jacob was gone. Even though Jacob, um, excuse me, even though Joseph has delivered them from starvation, even though for 17 years they had been under his power for him to harm them, he has not harmed them and in fact he has helped them. From the moment that he revealed himself to his brothers, he has done nothing but care for them and keep them from starvation. In fact, he brought all of their family, all of their things, and gave them the best of the land of Egypt. He settled them in the land of God. It's like it in Egypt. This is the place where you can graze your, your, uh, your livestock, your goats. Everything will be fine here. You'll be away from the Egyptians so that they won't bother you. The best of the land is before you. Settle in it. For 17 years he'd taken care of them. And now then on the day that their father dies, Joseph realizes that their relationship is still not whole. They don't believe him. They don't believe that he's forgiven him. And he realizes they are afraid that he's going to take revenge on them now that his father's dead. So he's mourning his father, separation from his dad whom he loved, and here on the hills of that morning, letter from his brothers, please forgive your servants. And they show up at his house and say, we are your slaves. They're not his slaves. They're his family. And so there's no wonder then when Joseph gets this letter that it says Joseph weeps because they broke his heart. Not just because they've stirred up the memory of him, but the fact that their sin against them, their sin against him, had broken once again their relationship. And so I say to you this morning, what Joseph is, we are learning through the life of Joseph here, is that there is a continuing burden of forgiveness. The fear that they are not truly forgiven tears Joseph up again. He breaks down and cries. He realizes that the chasm between himself and his brothers has not yet fully healed. And no matter how much kindness he's shown them, no matter how much he's done for them while they're in the land of Egypt, no matter what his plans for their prospering are, they still don't believe. And instead of approaching him as reconciled brothers, they approach him as his slaves. And he weeps. 
God forgives us like Joseph forgave his brothers. And I want you to listen to this. God's forgiveness toward us is continuous. And it is difficult business. Have you ever yourself been sinned against or betrayed? It is very easy for us, isn't it, to wield that sin against us, against our loved ones. Have you ever observed in your own life, perhaps, married people, how maybe you've sinned against your wife or your husband? Or your husband? Maybe you said something in the past that you should not have said. And you know it. In the heat of a moment, in an argument, you said something you shouldn't have said. You ask forgiveness for it. Have you ever noticed when someone has done that against you that when you have an argument later, the temptation to take that, use it like a sword, to stab them once again, to remind them of their trespass against you? This is why Joseph's brothers were afraid because they knew that that's what they had done when they had been wrong. What did Simeon and Levi do when his sister was wrong? They went and murdered an entire city. And when they were blessed by their father Jacob, he said, your anger is fierce and uncontrollable. You're men of violence who kill men on a whim and hamstring oxen for the fun of it. They knew what it was to let revenge and bitterness simmer in their heart. And so they thought, Joseph is going to wield this wrong that we've done him against us. We've got to go beg once again for mercy because they could not or fathom forgiveness. But Joseph didn't. He did not wield it against them. He said, stop that. You planned evil against me. But God planned it for good. Am I in the place of God? You know, when we wield other people's sins against them, we stand in the place of God. Because we think they deserve to suffer and I will be the one to mete out the punishment. Even though the Lord says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord, I will repay. We ought to forgive one another such that the world is amazed when we do not wield it like a club against others. Forgiveness is continuous. We should not use the guilt of others in their confessions as leverage to extort our own revenge. Marriages have been ruined by this. Over the inability. As I said, God forgives us like Joseph forgives. We are in God's power this morning. You are in God's power. If God this morning wanted to take his vengeance on you for your many sins and the much deserved punishment, he could do it like He would not have to suffer us for a single second if he did not wish. There is not a moment not wholly be under the power of the living God. He could crush you. He could crush me. And does not our sin deserve justice and punishment? Yet we live day by day, week by week. He has not taken his vengeance upon you. He hasn't, he didn't, and he won't. But maybe you might think, oh, I've done it this time. 
God will finally have had enough of me. Maybe he won't forgive. Maybe he never truly has forgiven me. You know, a lot of times people struggle with their salvation because they can't believe in the forgiveness of God. I haven't repented good enough. I haven't believed well enough. I don't feel God's presence like I should. Perhaps God has not truly forgiven me. And so when these things arise, just know this. You are like Joseph's brothers coming back saying, Oh, Lord, we've sinned against you and please don't take your vengeance on us that you could do any minute and we're your slaves. I'll serve you. I'll grovel. I'll do what I need to do so that I can feel like really this time maybe you've forgiven me. I will abase myself so much, Lord, that you will, you, maybe this time you'll truly forgive me for what I've done, for who I am. Do you know that when we do this, we tear up God's heart just like Joseph? He has promised us that our sins are as far as the east is from the west. He has cast our sins away into the sea of forgetfulness, and he will remember them no more. When we do this, we doubt the sufficiency of the death of his son. We say, God can't possibly have forgiven me. Here's Joseph, 17 years, took care of him, gave him the best of the land of Canaan, risked his position and everything, for the shepherds were detestable to Pharaoh and his house. But Joseph's taking care of them. He's interceding for them for 17 years. He forgave them the moment they came in. He wept, he hugged them, he embraced them, he kissed them, his brothers. He showered them with gifts. And they said, please, let us be your slaves. And when we do this to God, he says, what must I do to show my love for you? Every day you live and enjoy the bounty of this world. Every day you live, I do not take out any vengeance upon you. In fact, everything I've planned for you is for your good and not for your hurt. And if that weren't enough, my only begotten son allowed you to do with him as you pleased. And I have not for one moment stretched out my hand towards you in wrath and anger. And you come to him with doubt of his love. How must he feel when his mercy is so unbelieved? He believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Faith gives joy to the heart of God. My sins are many, he knows. My sins are great, he knows. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Pray, make me as one of your servants. Put a ring on his hand. Put a cloak on his back. For my son who was lost is now found. He who was dead is now alive. Kill the fattened calf and have a party. My son, my daughter is home. Such forgiveness is incredible. And Joseph models it for us so that we might understand the beauty of forgiveness in the greater Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth, and the Father who sent him. Forgiveness is a continuing burden for those who cannot believe that they are forgiven. They will wound us again, but we, like Christ, are called on to forgive, not seven times, but 70 times seven. We should never live, we should never live as such a people who would wield the faults of others that have been confessed as tools against them to make them feel guilty as if they still owe us. Brothers and sisters, 
If you feel that someone who has repented against you still owes you, you have not yet been conformed to the image of Christ. We forgive all trespasses. Do we not, are we not taught by our Lord to say these words? Forgive us our transgressions, Lord, as we forgive those who transgress against us. Forgiveness. How can we doubt the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus? And once we realize the debt he has forgiven us and will never bring up to us again, how then can we hold our brothers' and sisters' sins against them? So how was Joseph able to demonstrate and live such forgiveness? Because he believed in the goodness of God. He believed in the goodness of God. He saw the bigger picture. Look what he says here. They tell him in verse 16, Hey, Dad said don't, that you've got to forgive us. Joseph says in verse 19, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result of saving of many lives. Joseph echoes the words that will come later in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. The Lord tells his people, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's what Joseph believed. Not everything in his life was good. But God is good. And he meant for every single bit of it to come to pass that he might make Joseph the man he became. So that in the end he might deliver his people. And not only his people but all the land of Egypt. And not only all the land of Egypt but all the land of Canaan. And kept them from starvation. It's difficult to think that this plan for Joseph from God. God had this plan the entire time. He planned it though for good. Joseph's brothers when they sold him into slavery. Their plan was not good. They wanted him to die. They didn't care where he went or where he was. They wanted to get rid of their brother for money. And God the whole time said, I'm sending my son Joseph into slavery. I'm sending him into prison so that when he gets out, he will have compassion and mercy and wisdom so he can deliver many alive as it is today. So if you could hop in a time machine, and there's Joseph in the bottom of the well, his brother's up there callously ignoring his cries, and you could come and you could speak to Joseph in the bottom of the well, what would you say to him? He's weeping and begging his brothers for his freedom. That's what they said. They said, did we not hear his cries of anguish and turned our backs on him? What would you say to Joseph? It's going to be all right, brother. It's fixing to be rough. You're going into slavery. You're going to spend some time in prison for crimes you didn't commit. But God will be with you. He will deliver you. And he will cause you to be a blessing to the nations. Think that would help him? <laughs> you think he'd be all right with that? What would you say if you could get in the time machine and talk to yourself? 16, 15, 20. What would you say? Has God been faithful to you? Did you feel that he wasn't at times? Have you been through times of suffering and misery and strife and been sinned against and betrayed and done wrong and you thought where and you didn't even have a thought of God? What would you say to you? 
What more could you say than the Lord has already said? Put that in your lap and think about it. It is tough for Joseph. It is tough for us. Cannot possibly see how God is using this for our good. But see, when we do that, we don't look like Joseph. Joseph had seen the end. He knew that God was going to be good to his people, but he hadn't seen near what we've seen. The Lord God has told us specifically in his word how this ends up for us. How will you end up? You will stand before the throne of the living God as sons and daughters of the king. He will give to you a robe of righteousness and a crown of life. He will sit he will allow you to sit with him on his throne. He will share with you food from his table. You will dine with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the heroes of Scripture as a hero yourself who's overcome by faith as God's beloved children. This is why Paul says, despite all that he'd suffered, all the terrible sins that had been committed against him, what did he say about this present life? Everything I've lost, I consider gain for Christ. Everything I've suffered, everything that's gone, it's garbage compared to the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Oh, if I could just know him, the fellowship of his suffering, and attain to the resurrection of the dead, everything else is nothing. People ask, how can such a good God, how can a good God allow evil in the world? How can these terrible things happen? All these terrible things, and they are terrible. We have to keep our eye on where we're headed. That we have a good and kind and just God who's going to repay evil, and he is going to reward good. And in the end, his children will shine like sons and daughters of God. You yourself will be there. God is sovereign over everything. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you will have for lunch today. He knows if you will make it to lunch today. He knows everything. He's in control of everything. There's never been an accident. There's never been a thing happen. There's never been a cancer diagnosis. There's never been a flu. There's never been an automobile accident that God did not know was going to happen and that his tender care was not present at all times. For our good, he takes us all on our own journeys where we can walk in the light of his promises. Do you trust the Lord the way Joseph trusted the Lord? Can you see where others who directed at you evil that God used it for good. You've been changed by it. Have you ever gone through a deep, dark night of your soul? Horrible, terrible things happen to you. Maybe beyond your control, maybe not. Maybe of your own making. And then years down the road, someone asks you if you could do it over again, would you do it any different? You realize, I can't. Because if I would, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I couldn't do the things I do now. Because I see that God has used it for my good. So how did he the future? How did he forgive? How did he remember he didn't need to take vengeance because 
judgment belonged to the Lord. He looked in the future and he believed in the promise of God. Look at how this ends in, in, at the end of Genesis. Joseph, verse 24, I'm about to die. But God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones up from here. Listen to this, Exodus 13, 19. Then Moses took the bones of Joseph with them because Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath. 400 years after Joseph died, Moses went to the tomb and got his bones. 400 years how did Moses know to get Joseph's bones? Because for 400 years throughout slavery and toil, being ensnared by Pharaoh, by the Egyptians, they told this story. There was once a man named Joseph who was at the right hand of Pharaoh and saved the world from starvation. And this is where he's buried, son. And one day, God will come to our aid. He will deliver us from this captivity. It may not be in my day, but it might be in yours. And when he delivers us, son, we have to take the bones of Joseph back to the land of our fathers. That's the promise of God for 400 years. And they took his bones out and buried them in the land of Canaan. You see, Joseph was the first slave in Egypt. And because his brothers had sold him into slavery, so all Israel went into slavery for 400 years. And at the end of 400 years, Exodus will open and say that after 400 years, God heard the cries of his people. How did Joseph forgive his brothers? Because he believed in a God that would never abandon them. He had never abandoned him. Why would he ever abandon his people? He knew it was told to Abraham, your children will go into captivity for 400 years and at the end of it I will deliver them. Joseph said, if God said it, he will do it. Now listen to me, brothers. I'm about to die. Tell this story. When I die and I'm buried in Egypt, I'm going to stay in Egypt till y'all are delivered. And when we all finally go home, I'm going with you. And so he did. Joseph was the first man in. He was the last one out. Joseph went to Egypt a slave and he was exalted to a prince. And at the end of this book, after 400 years, God will take out his people Israel and exalt them to be a kingdom. That's how Joseph forgave. That's how Joseph lived. This is why he could look at his brothers begging to be his slaves. He's like, y'all aren't slaves. You're the, you're the tribes of Israel. The blessings of God to all the earth will come through you. Am I in the place of God? I will take care of you. And I will take care of your little ones after you. And when you go home, take me with you. Who Joseph served. And that's who you serve. He will not 
leave you. One day, we're going to leave this land of captivity. One day, the shackles to all our sin will be broken. And we'll be freed from that great enemy of death. And from Joseph to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, we're all going home together. The Word of God says in the book of Hebrews that we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, right? But they will not be made complete apart from us. At the final trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. That counts Joseph in his tomb in Machpelah in the back of that cave that Abraham bought for Sarah, where he sits to this day, waiting, waiting for all the sons and daughters of God to be brought home. He waits in faith. Every single saint is waiting. And when we make our great exodus from death, we will all go home together. Jesus told his disciples this, did he not? On that day when he broke bread, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup which is the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Now listen. I'm not going to drink it yet. You're all with me. Not going to drink it again till every seat at the table is full. And on that day, brothers, sisters, we will enjoy that cup with Christ again. He longs for us to be home till every last son and daughter of God is there. And everything that we endure in this life, good and bad, whatever, is preparing us for that day. It continues so that us of God and Christ. That's what Genesis is about. A sovereign God who has created all things, who has created a people for himself, made in his image, that one day we might live together forever and enjoy one another and him forever. So when you are laid low by life, Find yourself in the pit with Joseph. What are you going to say to yourself? You don't need a time machine. Talk to yourself. And when you talk to yourself, speak to yourself from this word. Those plans that I have for you. Plans for your good, not for your harm. Prepare the table. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. That is the promise of God that begins in Genesis and continues to this day throughout the rest of the scripture. God is exalting for himself a people that will be made like Christ in every way. We will enjoy him for all eternity. Can you trust like Joseph? Do you believe like Joseph? Jacob and Abraham? Did Abraham walk in? Because if you can, you are the sons and daughters of God. And the world, this world, is not worthy of you. Let's pray.